0: Hey there, Christ City Church, Chaz here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to remind you what these podcasts are meant to be all about. Our hope is to share various stories from within our faith family, stories from men and women that you share life with, that you're in gospel community with, some of which you'll know quite well, others not so well. But this is kind of the purpose of these podcast episodes. It's twofold. On the one hand, we want to develop and cultivate rich and intimate community, meaningful community, by knowing one another and being known by one another. And sharing stories, of course, is a great way to do just that. But we also want to encourage and inspire you. That is that by telling these stories, we hope to spur one another on towards love and good works, in the various contexts we find ourselves in, because so often the ordinary work of God's people, the everyday gospel ministry that takes place Monday through Saturday, goes overlooked. So we want to highlight some of these stories on these podcast episodes, stories of ordinary men and women following Jesus together in their everyday roles and relationships. But in order for us to continue to do this, we need your help. We need you to share some of your story. So in the next few weeks, be on the lookout for ways that you can contribute to some of the upcoming episodes. Look out for details about how you can share your story with the rest of our faith family. In today's episode, we sat down with Dana H and talked about choosing and committing to a church, finding our identity in Jesus, and walking the tension between law and grace in the minefield that is motherhood. Enjoy. Okay, so we are back. Welcome to the Christ City cast. Um, I'm Chaz. I'm sitting with Rory, and we're going to chat with Dana um, for a little bit, just kind of continuing this project um, this summer of just trying to tell stories, kind of relate stories from across uh, Christ City, our faith family, and just really just trying to kind of build community, but also just kind of um, really uh, work out and try to um, share these stories of, of ordinary people, um, just trying to follow Jesus in their everyday life. So thank you for joining us, Dana.
1: Of course. Yeah,
0: no, we're, we're excited you're here. So, um, I think we'll just start. How did you end up at Christ City and what was the road that kind of led you here? Um, if you just want to talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Um, I guess our road to Christ City started, in australia um chris and i got married in 2010 and we moved abroad we originally moved to england for about two years and then we moved to australia for about the same amount of time and in the church that we were in 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 australia um it was just a really vibrant church we lived in the outback of australia so there were a lot of missionaries there and people working for ngos and there was So you weren't
2: going to Hillsong Outback?
1: Sadly, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it was actually a really eclectic church because you either went to the evangelical church, the Catholic church, or that was pretty much it. And so we chose the evangelical church. Um, So people came from a lot of different doctrine backgrounds, so it made conversations really interesting and very... Um, going back to the roots of like core gospel beliefs, because when you went there, you you really had to let go of some of those open handed uh, things that maybe had been an identity for you. But in that church, and specifically in our community group, we had people who were looking into Acts 29 Australia. So that's where, and building a, a church um, on the coast. And so that's where we started hearing about Acts 29. And so when we moved back to Florida, I actually ended up being on staff at an Acts 29 church there called Crosspoint. Um, I was the children's director there. And so we just fell in love with um, just the uh, church planning network, the idea of that, the smaller churches, more community-based. And so that's really what drove us to look for one when we moved, ultimately. How long, to how long
0: were you um, the children's director at that church?
2: I know, I, I didn't know anything about this.
1: <laughs> for about two years.
0: How yeah. was that? How did you, did you enjoy that?
1: I did, I did. It was, I didn't have children at the time, and I was also struggling with infertility. And so it was this time of enjoying the kids I was around, but um, it was hard to relate. To the moms I was serving at the time, because they had what I didn't, and so I wrestled with my faith a lot. Of, I'm I'm doing the quote-unquote right things, and yet this good thing that I want, I haven't seen you provide for me, and so I I struggled with um, grace and how do I act when I feel like I'm. Suffering through through the season, um, and what what? How do those things go hand in hand when you're not seeing the fulfillment of your desires?
0: Okay, so. I think I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I'll also um, keep the, the, the story going. You end up in Dallas.
1: Sure. Yep. We actually had a six-month stint there at another church in Abu Dhabi. Um, we lived in Abu Dhabi in the UAE for six months while I was pregnant with Ellie. So did get pregnant on found out on a Tuesday and then I found out on a Thursday, the two days later that we were moving to the Middle East. So I spent that enti- most of that pregnancy for the first 32 weeks in the Middle East. Um, and that was another church again where you you went to the you went to church. You didn't really have an option. So moving back to Dallas when we were looking for a church, it was a completely different opportunity where you could pick and choose, whatever type of church, whatever size of church, whatever doctrine fit, whatever thing that you believed in. And so it was, it was a total different thing for us because we were used to being like, well, you go to church.
0: Um, like the, you only you, you go, go to the to one the church yeah, yeah. I was about to <laughs> yeah. say
2: the thriving evangelical church <laughs> in Abu Dhabi right
1: yeah. actually you'd be surprised it was a it was an awesome opportunity and uh, the unique thing was uh, we were in a community group there and a few months later a couple shout out to Michelle Gallman uh, the couple went out um, moved here for DTS so we they've moved out about a few months after we moved here so we had them here for the first couple years, we were back in Dallas. So anyway, when we moved to Dallas, we chose another Acts 29 church, and that's ultimately what brought us here. Um, and then we still craved going to church in our community. So when we first moved back to Dallas, we lived in Rowlett. We wanted to be by the by the lake and. So we decided, we started coming to Christ City, and then ultimately we're like, no, we need to go to church in our community, because Rella is a completely different ballgame than where we are in East Dallas, um, but ultimately we wanted to, we ended up coming back to Christ City. We love the community here, and then we ended up moving down I here. I mean,
2: you took that seriously by buying a house across
1: the street <laughs> from the church. Literally. <laughs> it's in our Literally community. Literally <laughs> in the community. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that's great. So... So yeah, no, that's just interesting. I don't guess I've heard you kind of retell that story that way that you and Chris, y'all have a kind of a unique perspective on like what it means to quote unquote shop for a church or look for a church or try to find the right church for you just because y'all sounds like y'all that wasn't really an option to y'all for several years of, of your marriage together, trying to find a church together. And sure. so that that I imagine that initial like we're living in now in Dallas where there's a church, you know, to next to every 7-Eleven. So mm-hmm. how do we make sense of this? I'm, I, I'm, I'm just guessing that that was probably somewhat overwhelming, but maybe y'all just kind of decided let's, let's, let's get rid of the overwhelmingness of this and just make a decision and just kind of go for it.
2: I was about to say, did y'all look at other churches when you came to Dallas or were you just like, Acts 29, we're going to go to Christ City?
1: It was a driving force to go to an Acts 29 church just because we were so invested in the church in Florida, but it wasn't necessarily an end-all break-all. We did go for about six months to a church in Rockwall. We visited Christ City, went to the other church, which was a great community church, and came back ultimately here. So.
0: Yeah, like Roy mentioned, um, I know that uh, I was super inspired or encouraged whenever y'all started talking about, you know, we're going to try to move into Dallas. Um, You know, obviously, I think it may have been closer a little bit for Chris's job, but I also know that a lot of that was really just desire to be kind of closer to your community and closer to the the people that you were kind of spending more time with through the church and stuff like that. So um, I thought that was...
2: Yeah, and like I said, I quite literally like how literal you took <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> so so
0: how has your I mean okay so uh, you've been at Christ City now for how many how long geez how how long have y'all been with We the
1: initially visited in the summer of 2016
0: okay okay so y'all been here now for you know five years how has your experience been what have you kind of enjoyed about Christ City not enjoyed about Christ City It's kind of, you know, everything's on the table.
1: That's a weighted question. (laughs) You know, we've had seasons of closeness and seasons. Obviously, COVID was hard for um, us to engage with two young kids trying to do church over Zoom. It's just it's a difficult situation for anyone. Um, We have seen different seasons of Christ City as a corporate community and individually as a more, as our community group, our gospel community has changed and grown and changed in different ways. um, We've seen growth there. I think the sweet thing about staying with a community for so long is that you see maturity in ways that is countercultural, cultural and uh, it's just like a marriage relationship where um it takes work it takes commitment um but there is beauty and blessings from um persevering and growing and uh forgiveness and um, just just working through the relational part of quote-unquote doing church
0: yeah it's so hard to
2: well, and it's yeah. harder to hide in a smaller congregation as well. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. People to know when lost. you're not there yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. We
2: would love to hear more about like, you know, kind of, we've talked about your, you know, journey back to the United States, to Christ City. Um, what about, you know, how you're like now, how are you living out your, you know, everyday life, you know, walking with Jesus? I you mean, know, that's kind of what this podcast is about, what Christ City is about. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, as I was thinking through what I might say and how God is using me and directing my life daily through serving um, Him and loving Him, I realized that there were two main avenues in which I really feel the Lord calling me to serve Him on a regular basis. One is through my immediate family, through my girls. I have two girls those who don't know Eliana and Sloan who are four and two and other moms in the area whether it's moms I meet through church and have relationship with through church or in my neighborhood um, my neighbors and even through the girls schools Um, so (laughs) looking back um, just to set up where I am today, and we talked about this a little bit last Sunday actually as a gospel community, Um, I've had this journey in my personal life of um, uh, a root sin of wanting approval from others. And I think parenting, especially in motherhood, there is this um, desire to be approved by other moms, and I'm doing this right, and social media can definitely add to that. Um, and then a desire and approval uh, for approval from your kids, like which you never get, but you want them to to feel like they're succeeding. and um, and so I think with motherhood, you can go two ways. There's a set of moms who are like messy hair don't care, and it's this authentic life, which is not really leading towards holiness, it's just sitting where you're at, but being accepted through the messiness, which the acceptance is great, but it doesn't lead you towards something better, and then there's a group of moms that tend themselves towards holiness or righteousness in even a non-Christian perspective, but a, uh, I got my, I got my stuff together type of motherhood and so you will see the you know family pictures at the beach perfectly smiling running towards each other with frisbees and that type of um, my kids have succeeded in this and the um, success driven parenthood and so there's this authenticity and this holiness or righteousness in the world's perspective whether it's through success or whatever you might lend yourself to for that type of satisfaction. And so I find like that is where the gospel speaks into both of those things. And so I feel like as a mom, that's where I want to be. I want to be authentic, but I don't want to stay in where I'm struggling. And then at the same time, I don't want to be so callous to my sin that I won't recognize it towards others, if that makes sense.
0: So this is a weird question. Did either of you see that uh, movie that came out recently called The Mitchells vs. The Machines? It's no. a kids movie. I've no. never heard of it. Anyways. Is there's it Disney Plus or something? It's a, it's like a Netflix movie. Okay. I think it was like probably originally like, you know, some big studio production and then Netflix just bought it because they couldn't show it in the theaters or something, you know, Fair like DreamWorks or something. But anyways, it's got, it's it's that exactly. The thing you just said, like yeah. there's the family that's that's the main family, but they're just, like, a hot mess. They have nothing together. You know, they're just, you know, typical, I mean, kind of cliche. But anyways, and then there's this other family that they're kind of, they meet along the way during the movie, and they, like, show up, and they're, like, all in, like, matching outfits, you know, (laughs) like, they're all wearing khakis and, like, you know, polo shirts. And they have, like, when the end of the world starts to happen, they, like, already have, like you know, a contingency plan. Like, (laughs) okay, uh, Eagle Scout Blue go. And, like, they all, like, transform and they're, like, completely prepared and ready. And, like, you can tell there's, like, the the other family, they're, like, they see them and they're, like, oh, great. You know, like, they just already know, like, why do they... (laughs) They have perfect hair, perfect complexion, sure. everything's the best, you know, mm-hmm. they have a Tesla, you know, like it's just, <laughs>
1: <They have a> <laughs> <Tesla>. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate time. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that yeah. it won't contribute to our conversation much, but.
1: Does that make sense though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. was going to
2: ask Dina, how was it going from being a children's minister and wanting children and working with women who had what you didn't to now being a mom? and having all of, like, essentially
1: having what you wanted, right? Sure, right? And you think, oh, it's going to be great now. And it was really, really hard. It was hard from a practical standpoint, because we were living in Rowlett, we had no family in Dallas, we weren't really connected within a church community at that point, point. Um, and It was just really lonely. It was extremely lonely. And God bless my girls. They were really hard as infants. Um, And so it was, I had been given the desire of my heart, and yet it still did not fulfill me. It took. It took realizing that my identity again had to be on, based in Christ and based in God, and that not of myself, not in my kids, and those things are so. Um, I'm just thinking of like sand. You know, mm-hmm. those things cannot hold my my identity cuz it will crumble like there that my identity should not be in my children and like that hope of children
0: well i mean you know over the last couple of years uh i know we we did talk about this on sunday a little bit you know we've got to see you be a mom um i i think you do it quite well actually um so do you want to yeah i i don't know um how like just kind of day to day how are you doing that how are you being a mom how are you walking in that tension that you outlined of like how do I you know um how do I walk in the middle of of that spectrum of like kind of this works-based kind of earning um my Mm -hmm. identity and my motherhood and my you know um my my relationship with God via being a good mom versus you know that kind of maybe that complacency or just kind of that Uh, you said authenticity, which I think that's probably right, you know, but just kind of um, how do you do that? Like, how are you making sense of that tension?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. With my girls being younger right now, a lot of it is just routine and getting them engaging in the scriptures. So we have a pretty steady routine in the mornings where during breakfast, we read the Bible. They have three kids' Bibles and they get to choose which one. It gives them kind of an authority over, hey, which Bible am I choosing today, which is kind of fun for Eliana especially. And we read stories together and then we pray. We have memory verses and then we do the rest of our morning routine. When they get into fights and I try and create
0: Wait, your kids fight?
1: Yes. (laughs) Shockingly. Shockingly. So we have different mantras we say, which I think are really helpful. So, and I'm sure, Chaz, you have heard me say a few of these things, but we say um, whole camps are helpful, not hurtful. Voices, we, what is the other one? It's, um, uh, let's use our voices, not our volume. Um, we these are, are winsome. these in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are winsome, not winsome, which uh, for girls they tend to whine. so that's really helpful. And I try and just there's a lot of redirection. Um, there's a really good book. I think it's called Parenthood. I'm not sure if you are parenting by Paul David Tripp and he talks about how we, are given the authority for the to change our kids, but we're not given the power to change our kids. And I that really stuck with me. Um, just as I'm trying to cultivate, you know, a love for Jesus, cultivating good behaviors, respect, and um, just wanting them to relish in um, the blessings of obedience. There, there. One of my children loves to give mean looks and can be, and it's one of those things. The easy thing would to be to lay down a, a heavy law or a heavy sense of discipline and be like, "We do not do this," and set consequences up. But for her, I think that the heart would stay the same. She would just be hiding a veil over that and so it's the reminder of okay i have that authority to teach her hey when you're feeling this way let's use her voice to discuss why we're feeling this way and like what you know and enter into dialogue but if i try and have the power which only christ has the power to change her heart then that's just gonna go inside her And I'm going to see what I want to see, but I may not see effectively a change in her, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I was just thinking, I've recently been doing a Bible study through Proverbs. And we talk a lot about um, the Bible study I'm doing is that a lot of times we take some of what we see in Proverbs as a promise. And it's not their principles, their principles over a promise. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of, I think... um, things in Proverbs talking about um, what is the one famous one like oh if you you know oh, the rod and the well yeah like especially spare essentially you rod spare well, the child but I think it's, you know some of it's Something taken like out of that. context essentially as like well if you do this then your kid's gonna be great and love the Lord and that's not not given.
1: necessarily true and yeah. so
2: we kind of take that out of context right and I, I love like what you're saying about like you're you have the authority but not the power so you can give them these tools and teach them these things and pray over them, but you're not assured that you don't have the power to to make sure Eliana and Sloan are going to do this, right? Exactly.
1: Which is hard, right? Because as a parent, you want you want that power. You want that ability to be like, well, look at my kids. They're sitting nicely in the pew today, yeah. you know? And you can create an environment and you could present them with, you know, truth and what is right but ultimately it's up to them and granted we do have consequences and discipline and there there is there is results like we always say that you know good choices for instance can you can have more opportunity if you obey me then we can do more things and you know and creating that structure of obedience there is blessing to obedience but at the same time there are consequences when you don't choose Good choices, um, but at the same time it is it's a it is a I think there is a parenting power struggle that I think ultimately people who are parents recognize or hope to recognize that they have that
0: yeah i wanted to I wanted to ask about because it's kind of a common um, thing that comes up sometimes or at least I don't know how common it is but i've I've just I've noticed it uh, more than once but you know, especially kind of to the question Rory asked earlier of like, how did it, how did it work going from, you know, um, doing kind of this more, you know, official quote unquote, you know, being on staff at a church and doing this like ministry through the, serving the church and mm-hmm. like, you know, multiple families and helping there then the transition of, you know, coming and being responsible for your household and like how you as, as a mom, as a woman, as, you know, how you've made that transition because i know again i i I don't know how common it is but i've heard it where you know stay-at-home moms will kind of express like a maybe dissatisfaction is not the right word but like a discontentment with like i'm not doing enough like just taking care of my own family like as if that's somehow less than or not good enough or you know it's not um You know, uh, a big enough project to take on. Like they don't feel like they're being used by God in that space for that season. Uh, How have you kind of worked through that? I mean, you know, because obviously, I think we would all say, "Well, that's no. This is like one of the most important things Mm -hmm. as far as as how we can share our gifts, employ our gifts, and be used by God as raising up our children and our families." So, how have you kind of walked in that tension? Has that even been a tension for you?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, in some days, I mean, obviously, there is a struggle no matter on what side of the coin you're you're on. Yeah. So if you're a working mom, you always feel like if I only had more time with my kids, and right. then if you're a stay at home mom, it's like I I could be using my skill sets for so much more. And there's a lot of weight if your kids are misbehaving it's not like you can be like well they're at school so they you know it's it's not if i had more time with them i'd be able to you know but in reality it's like you see a lot it's again goes back to that identity thing like it, it, if their behavior is where you're ultimately putting your identity then you're you're in trouble that's that's a, a shaky ground to be on um for me with your question of. Should I be doing more? Um, I just kind of went through a season of that recently where I was debating, the girls have the opportunity to be in school up to three days this summer and processing out, hey, it would be easier for me to have them in three days versus one or two days, Um, but what is best for them? What is best for us as a family. And I really felt having them home more was better for this summer season where they could grow as siblings, which is hard, right? Because that involves more time spent together, more fighting, more disciplining, more, you know, (laughs) yesterday was a really hard day. It was our first Friday home. And I was like, did I make a mistake? (laughs) You know, but it's through that tension and That they grow, they mature, they know how to deal with conflict. And, you know, they were watching a show in the afternoon, and I got to sit with them. They got to sit on my lap. And it was just a really sweet time of, you know, enjoying a kid's show together. Where, you know, if they were in school, I probably would have been trying to do something else during that time and let them have that time together. Um, so I definitely feel the weight of that tension and trying to um val- it ultimately is like a value system of like and I think this is pr- predominant in America of like I am what I do. So the more I do, the more successful I am. Mm, yeah. It is like the more successful I am the more the greater I am. Yeah, the more know? worth I feel. Yeah, because again what I said earlier. Your kids are not giving you that sense of great job, mom. You know, that was, you know, a a great day together, you know, good. Keep up the good work. And it's very cyclical. It's very cyclical, whereas there's no like project line where you're like, I completed this task. It's like you do dishes, you you clean the house, you you help them make their beds, you you know, you're doing the same thing over and over again. And the next day it happens again. So it does. It takes a, a mind of a perseverance to maintain that circular rhythm without any sort of achievement award at the end. Yeah. Half glass full
2: though having (laughs) Eliana and Sloan together like you said having that sibling time
1: they're learning conflict resolution very early I know (laughs) crash course literally they're crashing into it
0: (laughs) you know what you said about the cyclical nature and like the the kind of the mundane like do the dishes make the bed and then wake up and do it all over again and like how there's just like I think there's a really good parallel there of like the keeping the house being a mom um, taking care of you know, the family and how it does become repetitive and, and it feels mundane. And it's just these little things that you do over and over and over again. It feels to me like that's a, a perfect lesson in like the spiritual life, like mm. our, our spiritual disciplines, our practices, the ways that we stay in touch with God and put ourselves in a position um, to hear from him and to speak with him and like just these little things you just get up and you do it over and over again and it's very repetitive and it's very cyclical but like cumulatively you know a whole life is formed in those Mm -hmm. little things that you're doing and 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 I just I see that in that in how you kind of expressed what it is to to be mothering at home
1: and a sweet thing which it may not seem sweet as I say it but I see a lot of my own human nature in my children which c- creates a like a, it humbles me because I'm like you you hear that but I I'm so much more like Eliana and Sloan than I am like God so it definitely you know it's it it's just a, it's humbling being a stay-at-home mom and seeing how they act and seeing their little nuances and being like Yeah, you're really similar to me. And then it like breaks your heart and it's just like we, you know, it, it makes you like realize how little you are. But at the same time, you see their achievements and, you know, little things like whether it's like a practical thing like Eliana making her bed without asking or them, you know, we have a neighbor and she'll ask do they know Jesus? Should we tell them about Jesus? And just that engagement of, of like wanting to share the good news of Jesus with our neighbor and not being like, well, maybe we should, you know, like being like, okay, girl, if you want to do that, go for it, you know? And so it's exciting to see her, you know, Ellie obviously is a little bit older, so she's engaging it more, but, you know, now being more vocal with, her knowledge of God even if she's still not ready to make that choice of you know like yeah committing herself to him like finding it good and wanting to share the goodness of God with others and you can even see that as young as four years old which is just as a mom you're just like that's so true and beautiful I'm so excited that you want to share this.
0: Well, um, thank you so much, Dana. This has been great. Um, uh, you know, as, uh, I think we have so many questions more that we could. Yeah, talk Dana, we're gonna, ask about. we're gonna talk
2: offline. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, this is great. Um, thanks for joining us, and um, yeah, thanks. I guess that's it.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Christ City Cast. Thank you to Dana for sitting down and chatting with us. Thank you to Roy, who co hosted this episode. And as always, thanks to our friends at Young Oceans, who graciously provided uh, the music for this episode and all our episodes, actually. And again, if you want to share some of your story with the rest of our faith family, please do reach out and we'll get you details about how you can do that. Until next time, see ya.